Chapter Five of Just Patty. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Patty Cunningham. Just Patty by Jean Webster. Chapter Five, The Flanagan Honeymoon. The Murphy family, with a judicious eye to the buttered side of the bread had adopted St. Ursula as their patron saint. The family, consisting of Mr. and Mrs. Patrick Murphy, eleven little Murphys, and Grandma Flanagan, occupied a five-room cottage close to the gates of St. Ursula's school. They subsisted on the vicarious charity of sixty-four girls and the intermittent labor of Murphy Pear, who, in his sober intervals, was a sufficiently efficient stone-cutter and mason. He had built the big entrance gates and the long stone wall that enclosed the ten acres of bounds. He had laid the foundation of the new west wing, known as Paradise Alley, and had constructed all the chimneys and driveways and tennis courts on the place. The school was a monument to his long and leisurely career. Mr. and Mrs. Murphy, with an unusual display of foresight, had christened their first baby after the school. Ursula Murphy may not be a euphuistic combination, but the child was amply repaid for carrying such a name by receiving the cast-off clothes of generations of St. Ursula girls. There was danger for a time that the poor thing would be buried beneath a mountain of wearing apparel, but her parents providentially discovered a second-hand clothes man who relieved her of a part of the burden. After Ursula had come other little Murphys in regular succession, and it had grown to be one of the legendary privileges of the school to furnish the babies with names and baptismal presents. Mrs. Murphy was not entirely mercenary in her yearly request. She appreciated the artistic quality of the names that the girls provided. They had a distinction that she herself, with her lack of literary training, would never have been able to give. The choosing of names had come to be a matter involving politics almost as complicated as the election of the senior president. Different factions proposed different names. Half a dozen tickets would be in the field, and the balloting was conducted with rousing speeches. There was one hampering restriction. Every baby must have a patron saint. Upon this point the Murphys stood firm. However, by a careful study of early Christian martyrs, the girls had managed to unearth a list of recondite saints with fairly unusual and picturesque names. So far, the role of the Murphy offspring read Ursula Marie, Geraldine Sabina, Muriel Veronica and Lionel Ambrose, twins, Eileen Cotilda, John Drew Dominic, Delphine Olivia, Patrick, he had been born in the summer vacation, and the long-suffering priest had insisted that the boy be named for his father. Sidney Orlando Boniface, Richard Harding Gabriel, Yolanda Genevieve. This completed the list until one morning early in December. Patrick Sr. presented himself at the kitchen door with the news that another name, a boy's, would be seasonable. The school immediately went into a committee of the whole. Several names had been put up, and the discussion was growing heated when Patty Wyatt jumped to her feet with the proposal of Cuthbert St. John. 
the suggestion was met with cheers and may van arsdale indignantly left the room the name was carried by a unanimous vote cuthbert st john murphy was christened the following sunday and received a gold-lined porridge spoon in a green plush box so delighted was the school at patty's felicitous suggestion that by the way of reward they elected her chairman of the christmas carnival committee the christmas carnival was a charitable institution contemporaneous with the founding of the school st ursula's scheme of education was broad it involved growth in a wide variety of womanly virtues and the greatest of these was charity not the modern scientific machine made charity but the comfortable old-fashioned kind that leaves a pleasant glow of generosity in the heart of the giver every year at christmas tide a tree was decked a supper laid and the poor children of the neighborhood bidden to partake the poor children were collected by the schoolgirls who drove about from house to house in bobsleighs or hay wagons according to the snow the girls regarded it as the most diverting festival of the school year and even the poor children when they had overcome their first embarrassment found it fairly diverting the original scheme had been for each girl to have an individual protege that she might call upon the family and come into personal relations with a humbler class she was to learn the special needs of her child and give something really useful such as stockings or trousers or flannel petticoats it was an admirable scheme on paper but in actual practice it fell down st ursula's was situated in an affluent district given over to the estates of the idle rich and the proletarian who clung to the skirts of these estates was amply provided with an opportunity to work in the early days when the school was small there had been sufficient poor children to go round but as st ursula's had grown the poor seemed to have diminished until now the school was confronted by an actual scarcity but the murphys at least they always had with them they yearly offered thanks for this patty accepted her chairmanship and appointed subcommittees to do the actual work for herself and connie and priscilla she reserved the privilege of choosing the recipients of st ursula's bounty this entailed several exhilarating afternoons out of bounds a walk abroad is as inspiring to the inmates of a prison as a trip through europe to those at large they spent the better part of a week canvassing the neighborhood only to reveal the embarrassing fact that there were nine possible children aside from the murphy brood and that none of these nine were from homes that one could conscientiously term poor the children's sober industrious parents could well supply their temperate christmas demands and there are only six murphys the right age connie grumbled as they turned homewards in the cold twilight of a wintry day after an unprofitable two hours tramp that makes about one child to every five girls priscilla nodded dismally oh this charity business makes me tired patty burst out it's fun for the girls and nothing else the way we dole out stuff to perfectly nice people is just plain insulting if anybody poked a pink tarlatan stocking full of candy at me and said it was because i'd been a good little girl i'd throw it in their face in moments of intensity patty's english was not above reproach come on patty priscilla slipped a soothing hand through her arm we'll stop in at the murphy's and count em over again 
Maybe there's one we overlooked. The twins are only fifteen, said Connie hopefully. I think they'll do. And Richard Harding's nearly four. He's old enough to enjoy a tree. The more Murphys we can get, the better. They always love the things we give. I know they do, Patty growled. We're teaching the whole lot of them to be blooming beggars. I shall be sorry I ever used any slang, if we can't put the money to better use than this. The funds for the carnival were yearly furnished by a tax on slang. St. Ursula demanded a fine of one cent for every instance of slang or bad grammar let fall in public. Of course, in the privacy of one's own room, in the bosom of one's chosen family, the rigor was relaxed. Your dearest friends did not report you, except in periods of estrangement. But your acquaintances and enemies and teachers did, and even in moments of intense honorableness, you reported yourself. In any case, the slang fund grew. When the committee had opened the box this year, they found $37.84. Patty allowed herself, after some slight protest, to be drawn to the door of the Murphy domicile. She was not in an affable mood, and a call upon the Murphys required a great deal of conversation. They found the family hilariously assembled in an overcrowded kitchen. The entire dozen children babbled at once, shriller and shriller, in a vain endeavor to drown each other out. A cabbage stew, in progress on the stove, filled the room with an odorous steam. Shoved into a corner of the hearth was poor old Grandma Flanagan, surrounded by noisy, pushing youngsters who showed her gray hairs but scant consideration. The girls admired the new baby while Yolanda and Richard Harding crawled over their laps with sticky hands. Mrs. Murphy, meanwhile, discanted in a rich brogue upon the merits of Cuthbert St. John as a name. She liked it, she declared, as well as any in the list. It sure ought to bring luck to a child to carry the name of two saints. She thanked the young ladies kindly. Patty left Connie and Priscilla to carry off the social end of the call, while she squeezed herself onto the wood-box by Grandma Flanagan's chair. Mrs. Murphy's mother was a pathetic old body, with the winning speech and manners of Ireland a generation ago. Patty found her the most remunerative member of the household, so far as interest went. She always liked to get her started with stories of her girlhood, when she had been a lady's maid in Lord Stirling's castle in County Clare, and young Tammas Flanagan came and carried her off to America to help make his fortune. Tammas was now a bent old man with rheumatism, but in his keen blue eyes and Irish smile, Grandma still saw the lad who had courted her. "'How's your husband this winter?' Patty asked, knowing that she was taking the shortest road to the old woman's heart. She shook her head with a tremulous smile. "'I'm not hearin' for four days. Thomas ain't livin' with us no more.' "'It's a pity for you to be separated,' said Patty, with quick sympathy, not realizing on how sore a subject she was touching. The floodgates of the old woman's garrulity broke down. "'With Ursulie and Geraldine growin' up and havin' young men to wait on them, "'Twas needin' a parlor they was, and they couldn't spare the room no longer for me and Tammas. "'So they put me in the garret with the four girls, and Tammas, he was sent up the road to me son Tammas. 
Tummus's wife said as Tummus could sleep in the kitchen to pay for carrying the wooden water, but she couldn't take us both because she takes boarders. Patty cocked her head for a moment of silence as she endeavored to pluck sense from this tangle of Tammas's. It's too bad, she comforted, laying a sympathetic hand on the old woman's knee. Grandma Flanagan's eyes filled with the ready tears of old age. I'm not complaining, for it's the way of the world. The old must step off and make room for the young. But it's lonely I am without him. We've lived together for forty-seven years, and we know each other's ways. But your son doesn't live very far away, Patty offered what solace she might. You must see Thomas very often. That and I don't. You might as well have a husband dead as a mile and a half away and laid up with rheumatism. The clock pointed to a quarter of six, and the visitors rose. They still had to walk half a mile and dress before dinner. The old woman clung to Patty's hand at parting. She seemed to find more comfort in the little stray sympathy that Patty had offered than in all her exuberant brood of grandchildren. "'Isn't it dreadful to be old and just sit around waiting to die?' Patty shuddered as they faced the cold darkness outside. "'Dreadful,' Connie cordially agreed. "'Hurry up, or we'll be late for dinner, and this is chicken night.' They turned toward home at a jog-trot that left little breath for speech. But Patty's mind was working as fast as her legs. "'I've got a perfectly splendid idea,' she panted as she turned in at the gate and trotted up the driveway toward the big lighted house that spread wide wings to receive them. "'What?' they asked. The quick insistent clang of the gong floated out to meet them, and on the instant hurrying figures flitted past the windows. The summons to meals brought a readier response than the summons to study." "'I'll tell you after dinner. No time now,' Patty returned as she peeled off her coat. They were unlacing their blouses as they clattered up the back stairs and pulling them over their heads in the upper hall. "'Go slow, please,' they implored of the downgoing procession whose track they crossed. Dinner was the only meal which might be approached by the front stairs, which were carpeted instead of tinned. Their evening frocks were fortunately in one piece.' and they dove into them with little ceremony. The three presented themselves flushed of cheek and somewhat rumpled as to hair, but properly gowned and apologetic, just as Grace was ended. To be late for Grace only meant one demerit. The first course came higher, and the second higher still. Punishment increased by geometrical progression. During the half-hour's intermission before evening study, the three separated themselves from the dancers in the hall and withdrew to a corner of the deserted schoolroom. Patty perched herself on a desk and loudly stated her feelings. I'm tired of having the dowager get up at prayers and make a speech about the beautiful Christmas spirit and how sweet it is to make so many little children happy when she knows perfectly well that it's just a lark for us. I'm chairman this year and I can do as I please. I've had enough of this fake charity, and I'm not going to have any Christmas tree. No Christmas tree? Connie echoed blankly. But what are you going to do with the $37.84? asked Priscilla, the practical. Listen, Patty settled to her argument. There aren't any children around here who need a blessed thing, but Grandma and Grandpa Flanagan do. 
that poor old woman who is just as nice as she can be is crowded in with all those horrid yelling sticky little murphys and grandpa flanagan is poked into thomas jr's kitchen running errands for thomas jr's wife who is a perfectly terrible woman she throws kettles when she gets mad grandma worries all the time for fear he has rheumatism and nobody to rub on liniment or make him wear the right underclothes they're exactly as fond of each other as any other husband and wife and just because ursula wants to have collars i say it's a mean shame for them to be separated it is too bad connie agreed impartially but i don't see that we can help it why yes instead of having a christmas tree we'll rent that empty little cottage down by the laurel walk and mend the chimney patrick can do that for nothing and put in new windows and furnish it and set them up in housekeeping do you think we can do it for thirty-seven dollars and eighty-four cents priscilla asked that's where the charity comes in every girl in school will go without her allowance for two weeks then we'll have more than a hundred dollars and you can furnish a house perfectly beautifully for that and it would be real charity to give up our allowances because they are particularly useful at christmas time but will the girls want to give their allowances we'll fix it so they'll have to said patty we'll call a mass meeting and make a speech then everybody will file past and sign a paper no one will dare refuse with the school looking on patty's fire kindled an answering flame in the other two it is a good idea connie declared and it would be a lark fixing the house said priscilla almost as much fun as getting married ourselves exactly patty nodded those poor old things haven't had a chance to see each other alone for years we'll give em a honeymoon all over again patty was outwardly occupied with geometry the next hour but her mind was busy hemming sheets and towels and tablecloths it being thursday evening the hour between eight and nine was occupied with manners the girls took turns in coming gracefully downstairs entering the drawing-room announced by claire dubois in the role of footman and shaking hands with their hostesses connie wilder as dowager mamma and towering above her as debutante daughter irene mccullough the biggest girl in the school the gymnasium teacher who assigned the roles had a sense of humor an appropriate remark was expected from each guest the weather being barred mrs wilder priscilla gushed advancing with outstretched hand and dear little irene it doesn't seem possible that the child is actually grown it was only yesterday that she was a mite of a thing toddling about priscilla was shoved on by patty me dear mrs wilder she inquired in a brogue that would have put the murphys to shame have you heard the news that's goin round mr and mrs tammas flanagan have taken the laurel cottage for the season they are thinkin of startin a salon they will be home every afternoon during the recreation hour and will serve lemonade and gingerbread in summer and soup and sandwiches in winter you must take irene to call on them the moment manners was over the three withdrew to the seclusion of patty's and connie's room in paradise alley and closed the door against callers between nine and nine thirty was the fashionable calling hour at st ursula's the time was supposed to be occupied in getting ready for bed but if one were clever about undressing in the dark 
one might devote the thirty minutes to social purposes gone to sleep don't disturb us the placard read that they impaled upon the door but the clatter of tongues inside belied the words isn't my idea fine about the lemonade and soup patty demanded the great thing about charity is not to make it charity you must keep people self-supporting priscilla quoted from their last lesson in sociology we'll fix little tables under the apple tree in summer and in the parlor in winter patty planned and all the schoolgirls and automobiles will stop for lemonade we'll charge the girls five cents a glass and the automobiles ten and i say let's make patrick and thomas each contribute a dollar a week toward their support connie proposed they must eat up a dollar's worth of potatoes as they are living now they continued planning in whispers until long after lights out had rung and priscilla in the laudable desire to be inconspicuous was obliged to crawl on hands and knees past mademoiselle's open door before she gained her own room at the end of the corridor the moment recreation sounded the next afternoon they obtained permission to be out of bounds and set off at a brisk trot it was their business-like intention to have all the statistics complete before submitting the matter to the assembled school we'll first call on patrick and tamas and make them promise the dollar said patty patrick readily promised his dollar patrick was always strong in promises and the girls proceeded gaily to thomas jr's they found grandpa on the back doorstep anxiously wiping his feet he was a tremendous reed that bowed before every blast of the daughter-in-law's tongue thomas jr after being taken aside and told the project thought he could manage two dollars a week an expression of relief momentarily took the hunted look from his eyes he was clearly glad to rescue his father from the despotic rule of his wife the girls turned away with their minds made up it only remained to secure the cottage coerce the school and hem the sheets you go and price furniture and wallpaper patty issued her orders while i see about the rent we'll meet at the soda fountain she found the real estate man who owned the cottage established in an office over the bank and by what she considered rare business ability beat him down from nine dollars a month to seven this stroke accomplished she intimated her readiness for the lease a lease will not be necessary he said a month-to-month -month verbal agreement will do for me i can't consider it without a lease said patty firmly you might sell her something and then we'd have to move out the gentleman amusedly filled in the form and signed as party of the first part he passed the pen to patty and indicated the space reserved for the signature of the party of the second part i must first consult my partners she explained oh i see have them sign here and then bring the lease back all of them she asked dubiously scanning the somewhat cramped quarters i'm afraid there won't be room how many partners have you sixty-three he stared momentarily then as his eye fell on the embroidered st u on patty's coat sleeve he threw back his head and laughed i beg your pardon he apologized but i was a bit staggered for a moment i am not used to doing business on such a large scale in order to be legal he gravely explained the paper will have to be signed by all the parties to the contract if there is not enough room 
you might paste on an uh annex suggested patty exactly he agreed and with grave politeness bowed her out as the bell rang that indicated the end of study that evening patty and connie and priscilla jumped to their feet and called a mass meeting of the school the door was closed after the retreating miss jellings and for half an hour the three made speeches separately and in unison they were persuasive talkers and they carried the day the allowance was voted with scarcely a dissenting voice and the school filed past and signed the lease for two weeks st ursula's was a busy place and also laurel cottage bounds were practically enlarged to include it the girls worked in gangs during every recreation hour the cellar was whitewashed by a committee of four who went in blue and came out speckled like a plover's egg thomas jr had volunteered for this job but it was one the girls could not relinquish they did allow him to casmaline the ceilings and hang the wallpaper but they painted the floors and lower reaches of the woodwork themselves the evening's hour of recreation no longer found them dancing but sitting in a solid phalanx on the stairs hemming sheets and tablecloths the house was to be furnished with a completeness that poor mrs flanagan in all her married life had never known before when everything was finished the day before the holidays the school in a body wiped its feet on the doormat and tiptoed through on a last visit of inspection the cottage contained three rooms with a cellar and a woodshed besides the wallpaper and chintz hangings of the parlor were flaming pink peonies with a wealth of foliage a touch flamboyant for some tastes but grandpa's and grandma's eyes were failing and they liked strong colors also crafty questioning had elicited the fact that peonies were grandma's favorite flower the kitchen had turkey-red curtains with a cheerful strip of rag carpet and two comfortable easy chairs before the hearth the cellar was generously stocked from the school farm miss sally's contribution with potatoes and cabbages and carrots and onions enough to make irish stew for three months to come the wood bin was filled and even a five-gallon can of kerosene sixty-four pairs of eyes had scanned the rooms minutely to make sure that no essential was omitted both the murphy and flanagan households had been agog for days over the proposed flitting of the pair even mrs tammas had volunteered to wash the windows of the new cottage and for a week she had scarcely been cross the old man was already wondering at life when the time arrived mrs murphy secretly packed grandma's belongings and dressed her in her best under the pretext that she was to be taken in a carriage to a christmas party to have supper with her husband the old woman was in a happy flutter at the prospect grandpa was prepared for the journey by the same simple strategy patty and connie and priscilla as originators of the enterprise had been appointed to install the old couple but with tactful forbearance they delegated the right to the son and daughter they saw that the fires were burning the lamps lighted and the cat there was even a cat asleep on the hearth rug then when the sound of carriage wheels in front told them that martin had arrived with his passengers they quietly slipped out the back way and jogged home to dinner through the snowy dusk they were met by a babble of questions was grandma pleased with the parlor clock did she know what to do with the chafing dish 
were they disappointed at not having a feather bed did they like the cat or would they rather have had a parrot the school had been torn asunder on this important point at the dinner-table that night such of the school as was left chattered only of laurel cottage they were as excited over grandma and grandpa's happiness as over their own approaching holiday all sixty-four were planning to drink tea on the first day of their return from grandma's six cups toward nine o'clock patty and priscilla by special dispensation that allowed late hours in vacation received permission to accompany connie and ten other dear friends to the station for the western express driving back alone in the hearse still bubbling with the hilarity of christmas farewells they passed the laurel cottage i believe they're still up said priscilla let's stop and wish em a merry christmas just to make sure they like it martin was readily induced to halt his discipline also was relaxed in vacation they approached the door but hesitated at sight of the picture revealed by the lighted window to interrupt with boisterous greetings of the season seemed like rudely breaking in upon the seclusion of lovers only a glance was needed to tell them that the housewarming was successful grandma and grandpa were sitting before the fire in their comfortable red cushioned rocking chairs the lamp shed a glow on their radiant faces as they held each other's hands and smiled into the future patty and priscilla tiptoed away and climbed back into the hearse a touch sobered and thoughtful you know patty pondered they are just as contented as if they lived in a palace with a million dollars and an automobile it's funny isn't it what a little thing makes some people happy End of chapter 5 Recording by Patty Cunningham